I just remember for the first time really grasping that verse where I think it's Paul who talks about power being made perfect in his weakness. Just like truly experiencing that of like, Lord, like I'm so weak and there's nothing in me that can do this on my own. But like, I know you're strong enough to like free me from this and to give yeah. me the strength I need to go through with this therapy and do these different things that these doctors are telling me to do. And like, even though it doesn't feel like it's going to work, I trust that it will. I'm Adira Polite, and this is Then God Moved. Hello, it is me, Adira, finally back with a new episode. If you've been following along on Instagram, you've probably seen a little bit of what's been going on. But in short, I finally graduated with a Master of Divinity from Emory University here in Atlanta and now have the freedom to spend more time working on this ministry. So thank you for your patience. I think you will love today's episode. It features my friend Haley Blanchard, who lives here in Atlanta. We actually met at a Bible study that one of our mutual friends used to host and When I heard her testimony, specifically what she shared with me about her obsessive compulsive disorder, I immediately invited her on this podcast. I want to go ahead and let you know at the top that there are some audio issues. You'll have to forgive me. We recorded this episode on Zoom and there were some lags in the connection. So I tried my best to edit those out, but there are still some issues. Still, it's a great episode. If you have any friends or family who struggle with OCD, I would encourage you to share this with them. Haley both captures the struggle of OCD and the grace and freedom that she's found in Christ. So with all that said, let's get into Haley's story. OCD is something that is really misunderstood in our society. And so I'll just give a brief little definition um, Mm -hmm. to kind of let everyone know what OCD actually is, because I think that's really important. So people who have OCD experience things that are called obsessions. Um, And so these are thoughts that are super, super anxious thoughts that um, neurologically kind of get stuck. They're like sticky thoughts or thoughts that you can't stop thinking about. So everyone has like intrusive thoughts slash thoughts that may be a little bit more anxious, but most people, when they have those thoughts, the neuron actually like continues traveling. And so they're able to kind of recognize that that thought is maybe not rational and just kind of move along with their day. But someone who has OCD, there's actually a misfiring that happens with the neuron. I'm also totally not a science person. So this is my video. Break it down, Haley. Break it down. But there actually is a misfiring in your brain of the neuron that should be allowing that thought to form um, the correct way. And so an example of this could be someone who has OCD surrounding um, cleanliness or germs, which is something that is pretty commonly talked about. And so these people might have a thought of, oh, my gosh, I haven't washed my hands in the last five minutes. Um, So, again, for most people that that thought would maybe just kind of come and go, they would maybe recognize that okay, well, I haven't washed my hands, probably not the end of the world. So I'm with OCD, that thought would kind of spiral. And then they would eventually end up at, I haven't washed my hands in five minutes. I'm going to get sick. I'm going to spread this sickness. And someone's going to come in contact with me and they're going to be immunocompromised and they're going to die. So it's like the part of the brain that corrects is is not 
working essentially it's like a chemical again i'm like i'm hesitant to speak on the science side but that yeah. is how i understand it. it is like a a misfiring of the neuron and there's an actual like chemical imbalance mm -hmm. um in the brains of people who have ocd so that's an obsession and often people who have ocd develop what is called a compulsion or compulsions and basically this is just an action taken it can be a mental action or it can be an actual physical action i'll give examples of both that the person who's suffering does in order to kind of combat this anxiety that they're feeling um so someone who you know like i just said the obsessions about washing hands so their compulsion would be washing their hands mm -hmm. so um they would start you know washing their hands every 30 seconds and you know you see people who have ocd who their hands are bleeding because they've washed them so many times throughout the day um and what ends up happening is once you've actually done the compulsion you get really momentary relief so it feels a little bit better you know you can be like okay cool i wash my hands i'm good but then your brain you know it's it doesn't actually provide long-term peace or long-term comfort and mm -hmm. you kind of find yourself as someone who has ocd spiraling back into the same obsessions and then needing to do the compulsion again mm -hmm. so then it just becomes this crazy cycle that yeah just consumes often your whole day mm -hmm. um yeah. and on the more mental side of that you know you could have someone who has perfectionism ocd which that is more so along the lines of what i experience an example of this could be I'm hanging out with some friends and I maybe make a mean comment or what I would think is a mean comment. It probably isn't actually mean, but I've convinced myself that it is. Um, so then a mental compulsion could be something along the lines of like repeating a phrase, repeating something to kind of make yourself feel better. So I would, you know, say something that I think is mean and then I'd be like, okay, it's fine. Thankfully, like there's grace. That person probably has grace for me. Like they're mm -hmm. still going to be my friend after this. Everything is good. But again, that kind of anxiety comes back and then you just kind of have to keep repeating that to yourself. Oh, I that I would say is a little bit like less common. I would say like physical compulsions are maybe a little bit more common, but obviously the Lord does not desire either for us. Both mm -hmm. are important. Both need to be talked about. And I believe that there is healing that can happen um, mm -hmm. from both. Wow. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It does make sense. When you were talking about the repeating things like that, it makes me wonder like what role prayer plays in mm -hmm. the healing process. Cause there are things you, you can repeat to yourself. 100%. That are kind of, it's kind of like a ritual, but it's. 100%. That's honestly a really great question. Um, and something I'm really passionate about. I think that one thing that I've talked a lot with my counselor about and just kind of had to pray through and work through is like, okay, Lord, like, what is the difference between me comforting myself with scripture, comforting myself, mm -hmm. you know, like what you talked about, because that is true. But I think that the difference is often when it is truly something that is coming from the Lord. So when I'm truly praying through my thoughts and feelings, there is a posture of surrender there. Mm -hmm. um, and also a peace that often accompanies that. Mm -hmm. However, um, when a phrase or a saying or something I'm doing mentally is the result of OCD, there is no peace attached there. Mm -hmm. um, so it just leads me further into a spiral of anxiety. So while I, while what I might be saying might be biblical or true, my purpose in saying it is to find comfort in my own strength and not oh. to rely on the Lord. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, that gets tricky because I want to be sensitive to this, like, is a chemical imbalance in people. And I think it's really easy to feel shame or feel we're like sinning all the time. And 
I just know that the Lord has so much kindness in his heart towards people that struggle with this and Mm -hmm. so much grace. However, I do think that there is, you know, a responsibility to kind of recognize the distinction between the two and to really fight to be in that posture of, hey, Lord, like I'm relying fully on you Mm -hmm. to give me the peace that I'm looking for. I'm I'm not going to turn to OCD here. And Mm -hmm. as scary as that is and as hard as that is, it's so important. Reminds me a lot of thoughts I've thought about recovering from eating disordered like disordered yeah. eating i would say recognizing that you're going to this as a coping mechanism when it doesn't satisfy it won't actually give you whatever sense of control or whatever it is you're searching for that peace comes from the lord alone and it's, so true. it's very true what you're saying how has ocd impacted your ability to find community or how does it impact the yeah. way you engage with community Yeah. So honestly, I'll kind of do a brief walkthrough of my story with OCD because I think Mm -hmm. that it'll help me in answering that question. Mm -hmm. So very high level overview, because again, I could talk about this all day. Most of my life, I struggled with this. And so my first kind of recollection slash memory of struggling with OCD was when I was probably like eight years old. I remember at night I would lay in bed and I would just become so anxious with this idea that like someone would rob my house or like something would happen while I was sleeping. Um, And so again, there's like that, those obsessions Mm -hmm. and kind of the compulsion that I remember was, you know, checking that the door is locked, but I would do this maybe like 30, 40 times every night. So it was like a little eight-year-old. I'm literally laying in bed distraught not even, you know, able to rest at all because I'm getting up to check that the doors are locked every five minutes. Um, Because another part of OCD is that, again, the compulsion never satisfies. So you go check once, you start to feel anxious again. Then you think, oh, wow, I need to go check again Mm -hmm. and so on. And kind of as I got older, OCD kind of tends to latch onto whatever you think is most important. And so for me, I really cared a lot about school. Honestly, looking back, think that I felt like my grades were what kind of defined me and made me different from everyone else. Gave you value. Yeah, it gave me a lot of value. And so my OCD really quickly latched onto that in middle and high school. And what this kind of looked like for me was perfectionism, like to the max. Like I would do a math problem and I would check it 40 times. And so, yeah, like just like wild. I remember going through the school day and anything that I didn't fully understand or think I perfectly grasped, I would have to write it down on a piece of paper. And that night I would have to read it to my mom and my mom would have to say, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And we'd go through this list of like 50 questions every night. What kind of my typical day-to-day looked like, I would go to school, I would get home, I would go to cheer practice, and then I would get home, and I would immediately open my books, sit at this table, start studying, and I would literally not leave. I would often not even eat dinner because I was so anxious and worked up about my work until like two or three in the morning when my mom would come downstairs, make me put my books away, walk them in the car. I often was not finished because I wanted to check everything 30,000 times. And so something that would take someone 10 minutes to complete would take me like four hours. And I would basically just have a panic attack every night. I would freak out. I would start crying. I would literally feel as if my life was coming to an end because me putting my books away meant that I might not get a perfect grade on an assignment. And so that was literally my life. It was living hell. Honestly, it was horrible. 
Um, truly, truly, truly horrible. Also kind of throughout this whole time, I would say in high school, I was pretty like ashamed of what I was walking through. And honestly, I didn't really let anybody know. Were you walking through this while also in Christian community at your high school? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and genuinely like walking with the Lord, like genuinely like loved God so much all throughout middle and high school and trusted him a lot. But this was just one part of my life that I, yeah, honestly was just so confused. I was so confused. Um, yeah. And so during that time, again, I think I was pretty ashamed. I like really didn't open up a lot. I remember being really embarrassed at school um, during my classes. Like I would always ask questions a lot. And I I mean, I remember feeling the need to ask like 10 questions a class because I just wanted to like be sure that I understood and that it was just right and that it was perfect. Mm. Um, And that was, you know, again, one of those compulsions. I would have these obsessions while the class was going on of, hey, like, what if you don't understand this as well as you're supposed to? What if you're not getting this concept? There's just something so like serpent-like about that voice, like just so like catty malicious about that. Oh, 100%. And so, yeah, the compulsion was often to like ask my teacher, hey, could could you like repeat that or could you say that again or explain that again? And I remember just like one time a teacher honestly just like embarrassing me in front of the whole class and being like, why are you asking all these questions? Like, this is annoying. I like literally remember leaving and going in the bathroom and crying because I was just so filled with shame and like Mm. so humiliated and I didn't want anyone to know that I was different you know, I cheered, like I had good friends and I just <laughs> honestly wanted this like blonde, blonde hair. Haley and I have a debate about whether she has blonde hair or brown hair. She like, cause she looks brown. like a blonde. She looks like she would play a blonde on TV. Like when she says like, I was doing cheer, she means like, I was like a hot cheerleader. Popular. No. no, no, I will say like, I like, I think it was honestly, I'm honestly a weirdo at heart and I'm not cool, but I think that I wanted this like cool girl put up this kind of like wall slash just honestly it was it was that like striving for perfection that really my OCD also centered around like I was like I just didn't want anyone to know that I was different or that I was walking through what I thought was this embarrassing thing mm-hmm. um so anyways fast forward to college leave for college kind of um bright-eyed very like idealistic of I'm gonna get to college and it's just all gonna go away mm-hmm. like everything's gonna be great. I think that honestly what it was, one of my teachers one time told me that she had struggled with anxiety in high school. And when she went to college, it just magically went away. So mm-hmm. I was like, amen, that's gonna that's be my gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta see what you're doing. For me. Yeah. Um, and so I go to college. And that is just so not the case. I mm-hmm. get there and I am just a hot mess. I mean, literally every single day, going to class at all 8 a.m.s first semester would literally get back by like 12 where I would sit in this room by myself I still remember it was in Creswell at UGA and I would start studying and I would literally study slash read until same thing until nighttime until 10 or 11 when I just couldn't do it anymore and I would start crying kind of freak out and then go to bed, wake up, do it all over again. I had no friends. I had no community that first semester of college. I was in a sorority and I was, I I had, I had some friends, but not many because. (laughs) Wait, RIP to those friends who you're like, I had no friends. Well, I had some friends. Really? They didn't count. (laughs) Emily Brannon, shout out. Loyal, true one. That first rough semester. 
But Wait, yeah. you were crying because you were like, I want to be able to continue, but my body literally can't. Yes. I- and also just like, Lord, like this is like torture. Like I can't, mm-hmm. I can't take this anymore. Like I don't understand why this is happening. It was just, yeah, so confused. Um, and so, yeah, was just also really struggling with kind of that same thing of, you know, had just joined a sorority, really didn't want these girls like thinking I was weird or thinking something was wrong with me. I promise I'm not shallow, even though it seems like <laughs> it. <laughs> it's just the voice, but she's actually so, but you're so smart. I think I said oh. that to you the first time we hung out and I, then I was like, that was kind of rude. Sorry. What did I, I said something like you broke the stereotype and you're like, what stereotype? And I was like, I just thought you were going to be like. Did I say a dumb blonde? I I said probably because you think my hair is blonde, Adira. So <laughs> you probably did. <laughs> I love that. Anywho, so that was kind of my first semester of freshman year. It was absolutely horrible. And when a real shift happened was during my first year still, but at the beginning of my second semester, I remember reading over syllabus. And one thing that I also really struggled with was fear of like when I was reading of like missing a word and thinking that if I missed a word I could not then tell my professor or tell whoever I was answering to that I had actually read that thing and so I would read a page like 30 times because I wanted to be sure that I had actually read it and so I was reading a syllabus when kind of this encounter with the Lord happened and I remember I, I was on my like fifth hour of reading it so like when you first start a new class in college, your, your professor is often like, okay, everyone read the syllabus and mm-hmm. no one actually does it. Mm-hmm. I did it. And it would take me literally so long because you, like, memorized. This yes. And I remember being on like my fifth hour and just feeling this like feeling of defeat that I had like never felt before and just getting on my knees and being like, God, like, I can't continue on like this. Like, mm-hmm. I cannot do this. I can't do another day of this. And in that moment, I think it was the first time that I really was like, God, I'll do anything it takes. I'll do anything it takes to get healed from this. I'll do anything. So kind of throughout my life, I had been seeing a counselor and the level of severity of OCD that I had, they kind of had always thrown out this idea of like maybe inpatient treatment could be something that could be good um, just to get more intensive help. And I being concerned with what people thought of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, like, I can't disappear for multiple Heck no. Days. Yeah, mm-hmm. I cannot do that. I will not even consider. And so in that moment, I was genuinely just so desperate for healing and so desperate for the Lord to move. that I was like, God, I'll do anything. Like I will move. I will leave UGA. I will literally do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good prayer though. Cause you said, I actually surrender. I actually did. And I yeah. actually like in that moment was like, I actually care way more about being freed from this and being healed Mm -hmm. from this um, and truly living in the freedom that the Lord offers me than Mm -hmm. I care what my sorority sister is going to think when I tell her that I'm leaving UGA. Praise God that that Mm -hmm. was the case. And yeah, fear of man is a real thing. Like it's a snare. Like in the Bible, it says that and it really is. Can you say more about that? Can you say more about what it is just really quickly? Yeah, I think fear of man is just being more concerned with what other people think about you than what the Lord's will for your life is or what the the Lord has for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think it's something that most believers probably face and encounter. And I think it's something that for me, 
I still am working through to this Mm -hmm. day of truly just wanting to be the kind of person that really only cares like what the Lord thinks of me. Um, There's a verse that I really love right now. Do you know who Elizabeth Elliot is? Yes. You post Uh, her stuff on Instagram a lot. Yeah. Literally the best. Um, I love her, but she has um, a verse that she talks about a lot. And it says a citizen of the Lord is not easily entangled with civilian affairs. And I just think that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that is the kind of person that I want to be as someone who is literally just a soldier for the Lord. And like, Mm -hmm. God, I'm, I'm yours. Like I'll do anything. And it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what this world thinks of me. I'm still working on that, obviously, but (laughs) yeah. And so long story short to kind of get to the healing and redemptive part of the story, which is so sweet. I ended up leaving UGA for a semester mm-hmm. and um, was still a student, was doing some classes online. And I actually moved to Tampa with my mom um, for a month. And while I'm there, I am getting help with my OCD. So with OCD, the most effective type of treatment is called exposure response prevention therapy, mm-hmm. otherwise known as ERP. And basically what this is, Someone who has OCD, again, experiences obsessions. And what exposure therapy does is basically the opposite of what the person with OCD wants to do. So, hey, you're struggling with wanting to wash your hands. Great. We're going to go have you put your hands in mud and -hmm. sit there for 30 minutes without washing them and just let the thoughts come and just sit with them and just sit with the anxiety. And kind of naturally over time, there's actually a scientific thing that happens called habituation. And so um, your body kind of learns like, oh, hey, like nothing bad is happening. I'm not in danger. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, your anxiety kind of naturally lessens over time. So that is like actually a scientific thing that is proven to happen if you sit with your anxiety. And so for me, what that kind of looked like was eight hours a day, I was doing exposure. So for me, one thing that I remember doing was having a reading assignment for one of my classes and literally taking a Sharpie. And as I was reading, having to cross off the words so I couldn't go back and read and just kind of sitting with that anxiety. And I remember just during that time, being able to like do these exposures and truly being like, Lord, this is like 100% your strength in me. Like there is no way that I could be doing these things on my own. I don't understand how I'm doing them. In the past, like I would have freaked out at the thought of this or doing this. And I will say like, it was hard. Like it, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Eight hours a day of straight, just like facing the things that I feared the most. You know, it, it might not seem super rational to someone listening, but to me, like it felt really real. Like it actually felt like, If I missed a word and I didn't fully do my reading assignment that I was like, I was a liar and I would drop out of school and no one would want to be my friend and I wouldn't have a family. It was literally like Mm. just this spiral. Um, And over those four weeks, I just remember really just like for the first time, really grasping that verse where I think it's Paul who talks about power being made perfect in his weakness. And yeah, and just like truly experiencing that of like, Lord, like I'm so weak and there's nothing in me that can do this on my own. But like, I know you are strong enough to like free me from this and to give me the strength I need to like go through with this therapy and do these different things that these doctors are telling me to do. And like, even though it doesn't feel like it's going to work, I trust that it will. And so, yeah, during that time, like was just like set free, like truly like set free, came back to UGA had a 
such a peaceful and beautiful college experience. And wait, can you explain what you mean by set free? Some people might even wonder, like, well, their stories of non-Christians, like mm-hmm. they're freed from certain thought patterns. Like, how would you describe the healing? Was it that you yeah. identified certain lies? I think that like when I was first in therapy, when I was at the hospital that I was at for a month, freedom for me was like actually being able to do the exposures that the doctors were telling me to do mm-hmm. and like being able to walk through that. And then whenever I got back to Athens, I think that just from like practicing those exposures, your thoughts kind of actually start coming less and less. And so those obsessions kind of like die eventually. And so for me, the more and more that I did the exposures as I came back, just the less and less thoughts I started having. My sophomore year, I was probably living like 95% completely free of like having any obsessions or any OCD thoughts. Whereas like before treatment, I was 100% just like a walking ball of anxiety and OCD. And so obviously I think that freedom in eternity is likely going to look a little bit different than it does for me here on earth. In the sense that I really believe like I'll have a new brain and I'll have a new body. Um, Mm -hmm. Freedom for me right now looks like being able to fight my OCD. So doing the exposures, feeling equipped to do that. And then truly just living in the aftermath of like those thoughts coming like less and less here and there, you know, some anxious thoughts come up that I now know how to fight with like the treatment that I learned whenever I was in therapy. And again, like there are seasons where my OCD does end up getting a little bit harder. So a lot of times like with change or newness, it will kind of like spark some old OCD patterns in me. And sometimes that's discouraging. I remember when I first kind of transitioned out of college into the real world, um, starting to kind of experience some setbacks and truly being like, what? Like, what? No, this isn't my story. Like, I'm healed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the Lord just like over the years has taught me I don't have to be afraid of those setbacks mm-hmm. because he's actually taking me from like one degree of glory to the next. So the healing that I was like walking in at UGA is actually like not the healing that I'm going to be walking in when I'm like 80 years old. And the healing that I'm walking in at like 80 is going to be so much sweeter and so much better. That's the Lord's nature. And mm-hmm. each time I kind of experience a setback, I've really like been able to walk through each time and the Lord has provided and given me the strength to fight it and the strength to use the tools that I learned in treatment um, and to kind of gain back that just quietness and stillness of my mind that I had before. Amazing. Amazing. The scripture that keeps coming to mind is the command to take captive our thoughts because it's Mm -hmm. interesting that you look like the road that has led you to healing time and again is exposure having to confront head on those anxieties so that they mm-hmm. start to die out. And it's so interesting because we're told to take captive our thoughts. And I'm so glad that we're living in a time where people are talking about mental health and taking it seriously. And there's less of a stigma, but at the same time, I'll, there's a form of healing that's very simple, which is literally what you're talking about, like the sitting with and, and the tension and the discomfort and just being exposed to it and taking captive your thoughts instead of yeah. taking on the illness as part of your identity and just saying this is just yeah. what it is yeah like, no there's there's a way to fight that God has given us and it's awesome that you've been able to tap into that yeah thank you I appreciate that yeah and I'll even say like as far as the identity thing I mean that's been 
a really huge thing for me. Um, I actually started writing a book about OCD. I uh, have maybe written a page, <laughs> so it is <laughs> not going great. Okay. But one of the things yeah. that I have written about that I feel like the Lord is just like, man, scream this to the masses of like people who struggle with this is like, stop claiming it. Like I always say, and I honestly probably said it in this. And so I'm going to rebuke it, but it is not like my OCD. Like I don't have to claim it. It is OCD, Mm. Um, but it is not like who I am. And it's not um, who I believe like I'm going to be. And it's also not anything to be ashamed of. Like Mm -hmm. it is the thing in my life that has brought the Lord the most glory. Like I really believe that. There have been so many like beautiful conversations I've gotten to have and girls who I've gotten to speak into literally at the school that I work at now. And back at UGA, I was able to, by the grace of God, like lead an event where people like filled a whole chapel and just came with like their brokenness and their mental health issues and prayed together and heard from each other and learned about each other's stories. And so, yeah, there really is like no condemnation um, in the Lord. There is no condemnation. So true. How has your story been received by Christians? Like I know there's, yeah, we would love to think Christians don't have a stigma in the church that we're just, we see everyone the way God sees each of us, but that's not the case. Have you felt comfortable talking about it? Actually, um, full transparency, I think that when I was in college, like I felt so comfortable talking about it. I just was so confident that like the Lord had had me walk through that for a reason and that like he was going to use it for something huge. Um, And he honestly did like while I was in college and even still is to this day. Um, I think that just some things in my heart recently and some things that I've walked through have made me a little bit more worried about Mm. kind of like exactly what you just asked about of like, oh my gosh, like what are people going to think of me? What if people think I'm weird? Like, I don't want people, you know, this and that. And I think part of that is maybe just like stepping into a new community after college and Mm. um, people not really like knowing me. And so maybe not knowing my character or who I am at all and kind of just worrying about that. You've been out of college for how long now? two and a half years. I stayed in Athens an extra year though, because I interned. So I've been in Atlanta for like a year and a half, Okay, almost two years. But even so, like it still feels, it still feels kind of new. Yeah. I think that recently, like that is something I've kind of been wrestling with, with the word of like, Hey, like, I don't want to be ashamed of this. Like, I don't want to worry about what people are going to think of me because similar to what we talked about, like I'm a soldier for you completely sold out to you and my life is like for your glory so at the end of the day like if you want me to talk about this or if you want me to tell people about this like I just can't care what they're gonna think and I would say like each time I have chosen to be faithful and like opening up or speaking on this I've been met with love and compassion and honestly like gratitude of just people being like oh my gosh me too I think like the average amount of time it takes for someone to get healing from this or even get diagnosed with this, I think it's like 17 years or something crazy. Mm-hmm. I um, interned for the International OCD Foundation when I was in college. And that was mm-hmm. like a stat that I remember learning about and just being like, this has to, this has to be changed. <laughs> Wait, I'm yeah. very curious to see what God calls you into like, after sharing publicly here. Like, I wonder, you interned for them in college. Would you get back into that? You know, I really don't know. I like, I will say this. I'm confident that that this like story is not finished. I don't know exactly what that will look like. 
Um, I'm really, really loving being in the school setting where I'm at right now. Would maybe love to like one day write a book or maybe even start a nonprofit. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I love yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I, I don't know. That. I literally have no plan, but. Wait, but um, you started a book. I have a page or two here and there. Um, like a memoir? <laughs> more so just like what I would want people walking through this to know. It was actually so sweet. I was able to go with my school on a mission trip a couple weeks ago and got to just talk with one of my girls about this similar thing that she was walking through and got to just like speak life into that situation and remind her that there's hope. And I just remember thinking like, dang, I wish I had had this like when I was in high school and when I thought that like I would never get better. And when I thought that like my life just was going to be lived in bondage for like Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. And I think I would like love to write a book or do something that just, I think, reminds like people that there's hope and like, especially with the Lord, really only with the Lord, Mm -hmm. that there is like freedom and healing. Yes. I'm excited to see what you end up doing. It will be amazing. I know. I know. Well, Haley's a really awesome writer. You all should follow her on Instagram. Are you even public on Instagram? No, I'm private. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe request and see if she accepts Maybe I'll you. Accept you. <laughs> I probably will. I pretty much let. I let most people follow me unless they're. She lets her fans follow. Unless they look like they're a weirdo. <laughs> then I hit them with that hard decline. Right. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you, you gotta have to do it. Protect your peace. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you for being honest about this. I've heard you talk about it a number of times. I know you were saying that you're hesitant to sometimes in this new environment here in Atlanta, but it encouraged me when you first shared it. And so I I think you should trust the Lord has something amazing planned. There will be fruit from whatever seeds you plant by sharing your story because that's how it works. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening. Of course. Of course. Wait, you work at a school, so you probably have a lot of interactions with students who are not Christians, even though it's a Christian school, at least if it's anything like my Christian school, I went to K through 12 and was not a believer. Do you talk to students who ask you why you believe? So because I work in administration, I don't interact with students like super, super often. I do have a mentor group. So I have like seven girls who come to my office once a week and we Mm -hmm. kind of chat about life I have not personally done that I totally would slash Mm -hmm. like would love to do that and obviously know of like so many students at my school who don't know the word and I honestly think that's part of the reason why I feel so called to be there is because I just think in that environment especially people are often overlooked because you just assume um, that they know the Lord, but there's actually a lot of kids who would tell you that they don't. And I'm excited okay. for whenever I have the opportunity to do that. I'm sure you will. And it's also awesome that you're there because I feel like in those environments, not only are people probably overlooked if they are not believing, but I feel like working insanely hard and having no boundaries between schoolwork and life, that's also very normalized. Like, and I feel like in my school, like, tanking your mental health for the sake of work and like yeah. workaholicism was a totally normal 100 i think it's important that you're there to help also those students who might have those symptoms and people just chalk it up too they're just really a hard worker yeah yeah there really is a huge difference and mm-hmm. i think you can still be a really hard worker i hope that i'm a really hard worker but not be living yeah. 
and basically bondage to mm-hmm. OCD mm-hmm. Um, to actually be like living in freedom from that. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because you think about how hard work is discussed in scripture and like how the Lord makes it very clear that like he honors that and that yeah. it's a godly characteristic to work hard. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that the the enemy and like our flesh wants to twist it and turn it into this obsessive like idol. Yeah. yeah. And I think like one thing that has just brought me like so much comfort from that is just distinguishing between like, hey, am I like working hard right now for the sake of OCD and like wanting to feel some sort of like false comfort? Or am I like actually working hard mm-hmm. for the sake of the Lord and like mm-hmm. really advancing his kingdom with the work that I'm doing? Also, just like really clear things in scripture that give us some insight into like how those two like look different. Hmm. Wait, do you want to go into it? I'm like trying to think of a verse, but I will say no scripture. If you struggle with OCD, like no scripture and know what God's truth is, because it really will like help you combat some of the lies of OCD. And so, yeah, I think like God's God's word is alive and it's living in it is wise and true yes the mutual friend we were talking about moppy moppy oh, i just said her name so weird <laughs> <laughs> have you seen her tiny little notebook she like for a lot of different seasons of her life has carried this like teeny tiny like it's like the size of her palm like notebook that she just had scriptures in that she like, would memorize and like carry around for when life was hard and i remember like that was one of the first things i knew about her when we became friends and i was like i admire that never actually did it myself but <laughs> I just think it's so smart. But you sure did admire it. I did. <laughs> I love that. No, I think that's so smart. I have like, I'm looking at right now. Like I have like scripture, like all just like written around my room. Cause like, I need to be reminded of it. Yeah. Cause if not, like I'll just break down blind my own, my own self. And yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Haley. This has been awesome. Thank you. You're the best. I love seeing how you use your platform to glorify and honor the Lord. I think you're incredible. And I love you. Thanks, Haley. I love you too.